Thanks for joining us for the Anchored Daily. This fall, we're learning from Ezra, Nehemiah, and Haggai as we consider how God would have us remain faithful, obedient, and hopeful no matter what comes our way. Hey Bethel, this is Ben, one of the production team assistants. Let me say right off the top that today's passage in Ezra chapters 9 and 10 is not an easy one. If you're confused, that's okay. I would encourage you in two ways. First, ask the Holy Spirit to give you peace about this passage, to help you see Jesus clearly on these pages. And secondly, find people with whom you can talk about tough passages like this. We have been given an incredible grace to not have to do life alone, and as others find joy in the Bible, that's contagious. We can share in that joy with them if we're willing to be in their lives and converse with them about difficult passages such as this. So, let's get into it. As we saw in Ezra chapters 7 and 8, Ezra was a teacher who had been given permission to return to Jerusalem to teach God's people after the temple was rebuilt. He had done just that, reading from the books of the law, that's what we call the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and aligning this new temple with all the specific details that God had commanded in the law. But as he was reading from the law, the leaders of God's people who had moved back to the land to rebuild the temple noticed that there was a particular aspect of God's law that they had not followed. So they brought this concern to Ezra, and we read in Ezra 9 verses 1 and 2, After these things had been done, the officials approached me and said, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the lands with their abominations. For they have taken some of their daughters to be wives for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy race had mixed itself with the peoples of the lands. And in this faithlessness, the hand of the officials and chief men has been foremost. The leaders here are saying that the Israelites who first moved back to Jerusalem from captivity had married the local people of the tribes who took over the land of Jerusalem while the Israelites were gone. And it wasn't just the construction workers who did this, but every class of people, from leaders to priests to Levites. When they did this initially, they may not have even realized that it was wrong, but when Ezra read passages like Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 4, he saw that God in his law strictly forbade this practice called intermarriage. It's worth us pausing here and asking, why did God command this to his people? Admittedly, very bad theology has been built off just looking at these verses and saying, well, Christians shouldn't marry people of different nationalities. But that's not the point of this passage or of God's command. Here's where we need to zoom out and see the whole counsel of all the Bible so we don't take one idea out of context and misapply it in a way that abuses others. See, if we flip forward just two books of the Bible, we come to the story of Esther, a Jewish woman who married a Persian king and became queen of the whole land. Esther's story isn't one of condemnation because of what she did, but one of deliverance for all of God's people. Clearly, intermarriage wasn't the issue there. Or look at Moses and Joseph, both huge figures in the history of God's people who had wives of other nationalities. So, the reason for God's command is not a broad brush saying, never marry someone of a different nationality, but rather a very specific command at a specific point in time, given to his people for a specific purpose as they were entering into the land God was first giving them. We see this purpose described in verse 1 when it said that the people of the land have detestable practices. The issue for God's people wasn't nationality, but religious idolatry. The peoples of the land didn't worship God, but rather worshipped idols. God knew the hearts of his people back then and now. He knows how tempting it is for us to turn away from him, the true God, because we can't physically see him, and to put our sense of worth in something that is physically present. 
For them, it was physical statues. For us, it may be our job or our friends, technology, social media presence, our pets, our marriage, family, children, or even our church. All good gifts given to us by God that we can place our worth in without even realizing it. So that's why God had commanded his people against intermarriage, to protect them from idolatry in ways that might creep in without them realizing it. In the reminder of Ezra 9 and 10, we see how Ezra and God's people responded to the realization of sin in their lives. The sin caused them great grief, followed by a prayer of confession and then a responsive action in which the intermarried families were broken up. This is not an easy story with a happy conclusion. I'm going to let you read over it and mull on those details today, but I want to close us with one question. How do we see Jesus in this passage? All of the Bible points us to or is directly about Jesus. So how does Jesus fit into this dark story of Ezra? Let's look at the closing verse of Ezra's prayer in chapter 9, verse 15. O Lord, the God of Israel, you are just, for we are left a remnant that has escaped as it is today. Behold, we are before you in our guilt, for none can stand before you because of this. We're all guilty before God. Ezra realized this in the small picture when looking at the single problem of the Israelites' intermarriage, but it's true in the bigger picture, too. We cannot stand up under the weight of the punishment that we're owed because of our guilt, the punishment of death. We need someone to stand for us, and that's Jesus. He died on the cross and rose to life again so that when we stand in our guilt, we point to Jesus and say that he endured punishment for us. For those of us with faith in Jesus, we never have to fear this guilt again because Jesus took it. Jesus, thank you that you are the only one who can stand before God and that we have you. Amen. Thanks for joining us again today. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to encourage each other through God's Word. Also, make sure to drop a like and subscribe so you're always up to date on the latest Bethel podcast. Don't forget to go to Bethel.ch to check out all the amazing opportunities to connect and serve here at Bethel. Have a blessed day.